The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. I have two guests today, uh, Josh McIver, the CEO, and a fellow named Taolan, and I'm going to have him say his last name, um, the CTO of a company called Uledger. How are you guys doing? Good, really good. You're doing Thanks great. Could you say your full name for the guests and um, just talk about your position briefly, and then we'll move on? Sure, sure. So my name is Taolan Tramabaya. Um, it's an Albanian name, so it's like way out there, and I'm the CTO. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. All right, so first question, um, you know, it's always the basics. Tell me about Uledger. What does, uh, what do you guys do there? So I'll, I'll start Tom's, I guess, and then uh, pass it over to you. So um, Uledger, um, at its very core, um, is a blockchain overlay uh, for a company's existing technology infrastructure. So we can augment what they already have and enable it to literally be a, a blockchain. Um, so we're a blockchain protocol that, um, helps companies assert and prove the integrity of their data. Um, so as a result, it, it allows them to prove in certain scenarios that their data is what they said it was at a certain point of time, whether it's an audit or uh, a legal scenario or a customer dispute, whatever it is, they can use the uh, immutability of blockchain technology to prove that their data um, is or isn't what they they said it was at a certain point of time. Talent, would you add anything to that? Yeah, so uh, uh, Josh, uh, I think, explained it uh, quite well there. So um, additionally, I would also add that um, unlike pretty much any other blockchain technology out there, um, Mm -hmm. we are a so-called stateless blockchain design. So therefore, we are an actual protocol in the actual computer science sense of the word. So we're closer to TCPIP in that sense than, let's say, Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, and therefore, uh, we do not have most of the um, scaling issues uh, pretty much any normal blockchain out there has. Um, and beyond the uh, simple verification and timestamping of data, we, as a result of uh, our stateless approach, make it also possible to have independently verifiable order of events between companies and between blockchains um so okay. uh so that that really makes a whole range of use cases possible with which aren't possible either with normal infrastructure or with current designs of blockchains All right so i'm not sure what, what you guys do so is your software is is it a blockchain in itself or you know how does it work do you have any specific use cases that you can tell me about on how you know a company would use this to 
blockchainify what they do right now? So we we are an actual blockchain software company, um, albeit like Talent said, a very unique and and different one. Uh, the way we approach blockchain. So Talent, maybe maybe you explain our technology, and then I'll go into the use cases a bit. Um, sure. Uh, so essentially, um, this is a protocol. It simply defines how um, your system um, uh, stores and compares data with one another. Now, I'm not going to get into the you know uh, the details there, but as a result of what we call cross merkleization, uh, which is a patent pending process of ours, um, uh, we essentially make it possible for you to anchor the validity of your data with other um, systems, with other companies, with other servers. So if you are aware of things like Colored Coin, or if you are aware of things like um, Tieron or Factum or um, Chainpoint, um, Garb Time, etc., these are all essentially ways how people anchor their data to a single blockchain. Yeah, I know, for instance, like Factum will take large amounts of data you know, use Merkle trees to hash it all together and then anchor the, the root hash into a blockchain, the Bitcoin blockchain right now. So exactly. yours sounds like it works a little bit different. What, you know, what can you say the differences are? Are you doing the same thing just with a different technology or does yours have kind of a different intention? The difference is pretty fundamental and the intention, I guess, is also different. Um, so uh, it, let, let's compare it to Factum, right, which is pretty representative of all the other examples I gave. Uh, you essentially do a hashing merkleization of data of events, and then you push a single Merkle root into first the factum chain, and then at certain checkpoints or blocks, the factum chain essentially includes um, its latest root or block um, in the Bitcoin blockchain or Ethereum blockchain or really any other blockchain. So it's essentially you anchor your data to the factum chain, and then factum in turn anchors itself to another chain. Um, but the real deal here is the anchoring process and how you define how and when and what actually gets anchored. We have come up with a protocol that makes it possible for you to literally have your own blockchain data structure within your own company in a centralized or decentralized way. It really doesn't make much of a difference to us. And you are then able to push arbitrary numbers of um, block headers or Merkle roots uh, to an arbitrary number of other blockchains to uh, anchor your chain to other chains. So it becomes really kind of like a peer-to-peer -peer, like, um, peer -peer, uh, infrastructure where companies essentially anchor the, the, the legitimacy of their data to other companies' uh, data structures. And therefore, um, the integrity of your data isn't just um, backed up by a single chain, but it's actually backed up by any number of chains which you choose to anchor your data to. Companies may not know, first of all, how to anchor, which I guess your technology would solve, but which chains to anchor to? I mean, which ones are going to be the popular ones? And do you recommend a company anchors to one chain or two chains or 10 chains? And, you know, what are the trade-offs? I mean, how do you advise a company on, on how to do this for them? So um, our protocol uh, actually tries, so the client of our protocol essentially tries to anchor your data with as many of the immediate neighbors in the network as possible, and by default tries to anchor with chains with which your chain interacts with, so it has some sort of input-output relationship too. So for example, if um, you're an airline and you rely on the credit card company verifying that the payment was done, 
and let's say both the credit card company and the airline have uh, Uledger installed, um, you can include in the airline ticket a link to the verification on the chain of the credit card company that the payment was done. So you can make that arbitrarily complex by linking any number of different outputs of different chains with one another and um, verifying the integrity of each one of these pieces of a transaction across various chains. Um, so one, uh, one analogy that uh, some, some people have come up with to kind of explain this in a, comparing it more to a traditional chain, think of it as if um, each company would be its own oracle of its own data, kind of how oracles nowadays push data to let's say the, the Ethereum chain. But it actually becomes possible to uh, verify the order of what data was pushed when to any number of chains. And think of it as if these oracles all send data to one another and through this process um, secure one another. And uh, yeah, so the, right. the, the real interesting part here becomes really that companies do not need to actually share all their data um, with a number of nodes to secure it. They um, uh, only do need to perform this cross-merkalization process and keep the actual readable data with them or share it selectively with whoever has to see it. You're allowing companies to have this incorruptible database, i.e. a blockchain, for whatever data they want to put on it. And then you're also helping them to anchor their data into the public blockchains like Bitcoin, Ethereum, etc. So that at any point in the future, they could, they could verify without disclosing their data, but they could still verify, yes, X and Y and Z were data that we owned at this time, and you know, here it was timestamped and put into a, a public blockchain. Is that right? So we do not actually anchor the data to a pub public blockchain because there's really no need for it. And this is really where the cool part about Uledger comes up. I, uh, the companies only need uh, to anchor their data to neighboring chains, neighboring Uledger chains. And when I say like neighboring Uledger chains, it literally means that each company has her own blockchain data structure, a Merkle DAG, a Merkleized Directicyclic Graph, which you can think of it kind of like a log on steroids. Um, and by them essentially interweaving with one another in this fashion, it becomes um, pretty much probabilistically impossible to unweave that and create a fake alternative history that way. So at no point do you actually need a public chain in the sense of Bitcoin or Ethereum to secure your internal company chain. Okay, got it. What, what are some of the use cases that companies are interested in using this for? Uh, like triple entry accounting? Um, I mean, what kind of things do, that is most exciting to a company to be able to, to use this for? Um, as you might be able to imagine, the use cases are pretty broad. You know, it's really any time a company has data that needs to be proven in some manner or other people make decisions based on that data, they can use UIGER to authenticate or, or certify the integrity of that data um, or there's a need to create some kind of repository of, of authenticated data uh, or there's a need to to interact with some kind of smart contracts or have some kind of document management system showing the evolution of a, of a document so the, the the use cases vary um, some of the more exciting projects that we're working on right now include um, the city of Boise is a current customer of ours and uh, in fact, just last week we got, or two weeks ago now, we got to see our our software um, not only implemented on site but actually working within their environment. Um, so that was really exciting for us. And they're using Uledger for um, a couple uh, purposes. 
the the rollout there is it's we're going to start with one area and roll it out eventually to their entire infrastructure. Um, but the starting point has been their utilities department, where when you buy or sell a home, there's prorated utilities that the buyer and seller uh, agree to pay um, along with the title company. And surprisingly, or, or maybe not surprisingly, there's disputes all the time about who owes what and when they owe it. And so the city is using right. uh, blockchain where the buyer, seller, and title company can all agree on exactly what is owed and, and who owes it and why they owe that. So it, it's not high dollar uh, amounts, but that's just the starting point for the city. You know, a lot of people just talk in generalities, so I think listeners really want to hear specifics. So that's a good specific. So, as a, for instance, to drill down even a tiny bit further, I'm buying a house and we're closing on the fifth of the month. Um, I'm supposed to not be responsible for the electricity, or I'm supposed to be responsible as of the fifth, and the seller is supposed to not be responsible as of the fifth. And you're saying sometimes there'll be an argument later saying, oh, the electricity was never transferred and the, the seller was charged until the 10th, and they shouldn't have been only to the 5th. So you have a day a way to, to have this data that's incorruptible that shows either it happened right or it didn't happen right. That's exactly right. Yeah, very very well said. Information is, is all accessible by both the buyer, the seller, and the title company and, and the city. They can all go to this portal and then see exactly um, what is happening, in, including the, the hash and timestamp of those um, those uh, prorated data. All right, what's it, uh, maybe a couple other examples, maybe one that's like super ambitious that's not done yet, but you'd love to see, and maybe another one that's more mundane that's actually happening. Yeah, so the, the next one I'm going to share is actually uh, both pretty ambitious, um, but it is also actually happening. Um, so we're working with a big four accounting firm. Um, not sure if I can say them out loud. We've been uh, I, I won't say them out loud because I know we're going to do a press release here in the next couple of weeks, but um, we've been working with them for about a year now, um, developing a product that combines blockchain, our blockchain approach, and um, AI to predict and prevent uh, transaction fraud. And we've actually, uh, just this last week, I actually flew out to uh, North Carolina and met with Wells Fargo and Bank of America, and, and we'll continue to meet with these other banks, showing them what we've put together. And again, this is already put together. We have a POC in place, and we're ready to start integrating. Um, and the response so far from these banks has been just outstanding. Um, so we're really excited about that, and we, we really feel we could um, have a huge impact on how blockchain is used in banking for this particular use case. Um, now, uh, unfortunately, I can't give too many specifics there, um, but that's that's something that's been really exciting for us. Um, another one that's kind of more uh, mundane, but again, pretty useful, is using blockchain for asset securitization, where along the securitization process of an asset, every party in, in that line who looks at this asset um, has different responsibilities or, or different data that they need to add to the asset in the securitization process. And for a, a document uh, to go from company to company and for people to agree on that data um, has, as you can imagine, not been very seamless, and it's it's a pain to do. So um, we've got a company using our blockchain approach for that process, using uh, uLedger to seamlessly 
um, help companies communicate during the asset uh, securitization process. Well, what's an example of um, an asset securitization that people can you know use as an example in their minds? Uh, well, let's talk about loans. So, in, in many cases, um, companies will secure, securitize a uh, residential loan portfolio, and so uh, each residential loan file in a portfolio, and usually these files come in the form of a huge Excel spreadsheet, um, need to be uh, agreed upon, need to be timestamped, need to be authenticated as um, authentic before they move on to the next party. Um, so that, that's one example of asset securitization. There are many different forms of securitization, but um, residential loan securitization is the, the particular use case we're working on right now. So how much hand-holding is there with your solution? Because, I mean, I'm sure most of these companies or all of them, you know, are afraid of this unless you make it super easy for them. So what have, what have you guys had to do in that arena and what's working? Yeah, so I'm really glad you asked that because as we've gone to these conferences and, and met with companies, that's been one of their number one concerns is, okay, how much disruption is this going to be to my current environment? How much is it going to cost? Um, and from the beginning, we've intentionally built U-Ledger to be a pretty seamless integration. Again, working with their existing technology infrastructure. And uh, Talent and Pete have done an amazing job of, of making that happen. So Talent, do you want to go into what you guys have done there? Yeah, so um, there's two ways how to integrate with our product. Um, the first one um, is what most people use for um, testing the integration out at first at low cost, uh, which is just a web API. Um, and uh, that acts as a bridge to a blockchain instance. And then the actual uh, implementation would be with an on-premise installation, which has the same API endpoints. So once people have played around with the web uh, API, they can jump and use the exact same endpoints that they figured out uh, with an uh, on-site installation. It's a RESTful API. And uh, it has like 20 plus endpoints for now. And we're adding new endpoints and new functionality pretty much every other week. Um, and it's pretty simple. You know, as long as you have a database which can um, publish in a published subscribe network or push data in a streaming fashion um, to an API, uh, we can handle it. And the data on the uh, traditional existing database or data store simply has, has to be in some form or fashion content addressable. So it's super easy to use with a document store, with a key value store, um, with uh, trans most transactional databases, um, and with normal file storage. Um, so what we're currently working on is on uh, integrating this also with uh, non-transactional um, SQL databases, and that's uh, currently on the roadmap. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, so what's yeah? Let's go to the roadmap. Actually, I was going to ask you. So what's on your roadmap for the next six months or a year? What's coming? Um, yeah. So uh, on the roadmap, we're currently um, doing a pre-sale of our tokens, um, and so we're we're planning on closing that um, soon. I think Josh can give you more details on that. Okay. So uh, the uh, after after uh, the ICO. Um, which we plan to do probably either end of Q1 or Q2, uh, which is a public token offering. Uh, in our case, um, we want to um, have uh, more than simply the web and uh, on-premise installation. 
we want actually a native um, RPC interface, which should probably be an order of magnitude faster and um, roll uh, the uh, functionality out to event logging systems and other uh, more traditional logging systems as well, because there was quite a bit of interest in integrating with things like Kafka and event logging systems and event handling systems um, to integrate natively with that. And that should keep our hands busy for some time. And uh, yeah, just uh, expand the API endpoint set. Any features or uh, things that are really requested by a lot of customers that you're working hard on? Or do um, you feel like you're satisfying their needs for right now? I mean, that's that's how we operate. From day one, we were uh, talking to customers. Um, so the API, the structure of the API endpoints, um, how to integrate with databases, that we should integrate with databases in the first place. All of that was guided by us talking to customers daily, really. Um, so I would say that that's pretty dis uh, different from most other blockchain um, startups out there. The, the the one thing that people are most interested in, but which is going to take a bit more time for us, is going beyond just data verification, um, which we currently provide and it's fully functional, uh, and go to um, uh, relative, um, independently verifiable order of events across chains. That requires quite a bit more verification um, logic on our end and extending the protocol, and um, that is on the roadmap for uh, by the end of 2018. And that's really when some really interesting applications can start to happen in, in a sense that you can actually make um, your, your company logic, business logic, dependable uh, on other companies and automate that, quite a few things, which today most people envision that being smart contracts and we, as in, in a single global chain, um, which we absolutely disagree with um, because real world businesses uh, essentially want to have smart contract type interdependency of their um, business logic with one another. And uh, we believe that we can actually uh, make that possible uh, within the next year. Well, very good. So what's, what's the best way for interested parties to reach out to you guys and possibly uh, talk about business? Um, email is always good. We're always really responsive to email, phone calls. Our, uh, our website is uledger.co, uh, so U-L-E-D-G-E-R.co. Um, if you contact us there, we're we're always really responsive. Um, but I'll, um, obviously, feel free to email or call. Um, Talent mentioned briefly that we're uh, right now in the middle of our token sale, and um, the the uh, success has been pretty good there. We're we're about to wrap up our seed portion of the the token sale, and then in January we'll begin our pre-sale and follow that up with our public token sale in early uh, February. We anticipate right now. All right, very good. Well, guys, I appreciate you coming. Yeah, thanks for having us. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies 
that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. 